Hey guys, thanks for downloading this episode of Off Topic with Randy Zellia. This week, I'm diving back into the archives and posting some older interviews. And this one is back from 2012 when this was under the old Real Sports Talk radio banner. My co-host at the time was this great guy by the name of Mike Tramatazzi. And we interviewed WWE Hall of Famer Booker T. We discussed everything from his wrestling school, his promotion, and many other amazing topics, including the Hall of Fame. Check out all the archives of Off Topic with Randy Zellia on iTunes, Spotify, and all podcasts are found. And of course, check out BackSportsPage.com for listings and information of Off Topic. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Randy's BSP. But enough of me jabbing around. Check out the show. Welcome our good friend Booker T to the show. Booker, how are you tonight, my friend? Hey, man. Don't stop the conversation on my account, man. I'm loving it. Keep it going. All right, man. Well, listen, look. So, Booker, so let's start with, let's, let's start with this then. Um, what has been your opinion, not of the actual situations with, with Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson, but more of how it's been handled by the NFL? Oh man, I mean, just a bunch of flip flopping. You know, you, you know, the right thing was um, the right thing in the first place when they, you know, um, took Ray Rice off the field. You know, um, definitely was the right right thing to do when they took Adrian Peterson off the field. Um, definitely was the right thing to do. I mean, you don't uh, whoop a four year old kid and leave marks on him like that. And you know, I've heard people, you know, say so many different things. You know, about this situation. You know, I just want to weigh in on it. You know. Um, you know, um, just because we were raised that way, I was raised that way myself as well. You know, I mean, I, I got whoopings. I had to go get the switch uh, myself, you know what I mean? Um, as well as now I have a 32-year-old son, and um, I whip my son, and I, I see the strain in the relationship that, that it, you know, that, that my son and I have, you know, um, and I think um, that, that that had a, a big part of it, you know what I mean? Now I have uh, twin babies, um, you know, a boy and a girl, and, and I definitely would not go down that same road ever again, you know, I totally – you know, I think I made, um, you know, a mistake in my life, you know, and um, hopefully the NFL will, uh, you know, rectify the situation right now um, and not let this go any further. Now, Booker, also the, the other big the other big thing, too, is obviously with the Ray Rice situation on how the story has constantly changed um, from basically when we first heard about everything back in February um, to now. What is your take on how this story has panned out and has you think it's sort of the story has gone from it being Ray Rice to a bigger, a uh, bigger story? Like we were talking about that a little earlier. That it turns into a, it wasn't first it was about Ray Rice, and now it's turning more into a domestic uh, violence situation. Well, I, I think now um, I think it started with Ray Rice, but I think the video um, is what made it. You know what amplified things. Um, you know to where it is today. Um, I think without the uh, videotape, uh, I think we'll, you know, still be, you know, closed-minded, you know, looking the other way, you know, sweeping it under the table. Um, if it wasn't for the video, I just think um, it's bigger because it's in the forefront now, not because of Ray Rice or anything like that, um, just because of the videotape, I think. Well, you know, Booker, also, the, the key also now, like, I know you're a very big sports fan, too. Um, does this – make you not want to watch the NFL at all? If you're if you're a fan, um, does this turn you away a little bit? <laughs> no, nah, heck no, nah, man. Um, I'm still going to watch the game. You know, uh, I'm sure, this, this happens in every walk of life. You know what I mean? I'm sure actors go through this. You don't stop watching movies. Um, it's just a part of life, you know. I mean, it's, um, 
um, two, two individuals, um, you know, Ray Rice and Adrian Foster, two guys that's in the media right now that made mistakes. Uh, we're making, we're talking about it as news, uh, first and foremost, as ratings, uh, first and foremost. But it's something that happens in every walk of life, uh, just like racism, just like um, anything else. You just got to deal with the problem, uh, move forward. But um, I don't think it's about the game. The game is uh, something that we've all loved and grown up with, and um, I think we're going to live and die with it um, to the end of to the end of times. I think. Uh, let's change the topic a little bit because I think everybody's kind of tired of talking about it. I think we want to. I, I agree. I want to just watch football and and try and forget about all this negative stuff that that the leagues kind of got themselves caught in. But um, we had uh, Dallas Page on a couple months ago, and I asked him this question too, and he had a, a pretty good answer. I, I wanted to see what your answer was to it. Uh, we asked him about what was the biggest difference. Um, being a longtime WCW guy and then going to the WWE, what, what was the first thing he noticed about it? And he said it was just the, not the attention to detail, but the attention to how everything should go and, and how uh, structured it was. Uh, what did you notice when, when you guys all first uh, came over to the, WC, uh, to the WWE? What was the first thing you noticed about it? Oh, um, definitely it was structured a whole lot different. Um, you know, everything was uh, you know, on point. Uh, everything was structured a certain way, uh, to to maximize the T V, uh, first and foremost. Um, we didn't rehearse or, or do anything um like that in and in W W and W C W. And then when I got to WWE, um, man, it's like turning the lights on, man, in the dark room. Um, everything lit up, and um, I had to go out there and um, sink or swim. Uh, but I think the biggest thing uh, uh, I, I uh, felt um, when I got to WWE was, uh, man, you know, the war was over, you know what I mean? WWE had won, and, you know, I was one of the last, you know, soldiers that was, you know, trying not to get captured, you know, <laughs> trying not to become a POW, <laughs> you know. I was just trying to, you know, fight my way through that thing. Um, um, it was uh, about, you know, catching the life preserver and holding on as long as you possibly can because I really do think – you know, all the WCW guys was um, in for a long ride. Um, we, were, we were there to get beat up. We were there to get buried, and um, only the strong was going to survive. You know, it's funny you just said that too, Booker, about, you know, you guys were going to get beat up. Um, I asked Dallas Page a question. I asked Bill Goldberg a question. I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you think that WWE tried to rush the invasion story uh, do you think if they would have tried to spread it out, they could have made it really big at WrestleMania? Because you guys ended up eventually getting everybody in there anyway. I know there was that, that people, some of the guys wanted to get their contract money from AOL Time Warner. Did you feel that the invasion got rushed? Well, uh, I don't think it got rushed. You know, you had a lot of, like you just said, there was a lot of guys holding out. There was a lot of guys wanting to, you know, not take that 50% buyout like I did and then go on and, you know, um, you know, roll the dice and see what their careers were going to turn out. Uh, to be, um, I think the um, invasion angle just had to go on as planned um, with what we had, which was not very, very much. Um, you know, the war, like I say, the war was over. Um, I don't think, uh, I think um, the, the invasion angle was just trying to get a little bit of something extra out of, you know, WCW trying to squeeze, you know, the last little juice out of the turnip. Um, but, but I think um, the war was over, and I think WWE was just raising the flag. Uh you you bring up the the Monday Night Wars and I know the WWE Network, which is nine ninety nine, 
They have that their documentary series out for the Monday Night War, and I think it's really, really cool that it, it shines a little of the backstage stuff on the on what was going on, not just from 8 to 11 with Nitro and 9 to 11 with Raw. It was the behind-the-scenes things, how everybody was feeling about it. And, uh, there was a part where Triple H said it wasn't just uh, go out and if you don't do well, oh, well, you try next time. It would be if you don't do well, you're not going to have it. You might not have a job come next week. Uh, what was that aspect like? Was it? I know that was the WWE side because they were they were losing for so long. Uh, when WCW was at the top, was there a feeling that you guys were in, invincible, or did everybody still feel like, hey, we still got to go out and put out a quality product, or or people are going to change? Well, what was the attitude like on the WCW side of it while you guys were on that uh, eighty plus week winning streak? Oh man, uh, man, when they, when the ratings. Uh, you know, went up and everybody was, you know, making a lot of money. Everybody in WCW went on cruise control. Everybody was, you know, just partying, having fun, you know, uh, big houses, big cars, you know, um, you know, party every night. Um, they were living a rock star life, um, you know, for, for myself, you know, a kid from the street, I was looking at it and I was like, wow, this, this can't last for very, very long, you know, um, as well as the guys totally um, got soft as far as going out there and performing in the middle of the ring. At that time, WWE guys, Triple H, and, you know, those guys were over there killing each other. I mean, breaking the chairs every night over each other's heads, um, uh, taking the stairs out, bleeding. Um, it was a war, you know, and I was like, wow, man, I was wishing I was over on that side just so I could be a part of that, you know, um, and just get that feel of what they were doing over there. But our guys were just going out there almost just phoning it in and, um, you know, collecting their paychecks and um, and having a good time and thinking that paycheck was going to – it seemed like a lot of the uh, WCW uh, guys, but the talent uh, thought that check was going to last forever. And um, it should have. Turner should still be running. Uh, WCW should still be in business uh, still to this day. But um, those guys um, totally mismanaged um, the money. And, uh, you know, Turner said, man, our AOL said, man, we don't need this. Hey, Book, can you also talk about the other side of that? When Raw finally started uh, coming back and you know, took the ratings lead, what was the atmosphere in WCW like at that point? Oh, man, it was, it was great. Uh, you know, the, the houses were sold out. It was like, you know, um, almost like WrestleMania feeling almost every every week um, in the arenas um, because um, it wasn't a seat in the house that wasn't, you know, behind it. And, and I tell you, um, it was it was off the hook. It, it was great um, that, to be able to go out and perform in front of crowds like that, especially for me because, um, like I said, I'm after, you know, sitting back and watching the guys. I, I Myself, I, I didn't get, um, you know, lazy. I didn't get lackadaisical. I, I stayed hungry. I, I thought it was time for me to kick it in, um, you know, fourth gear, actually fifth gear, and um, take it home because um, I saw everything around me unfolding. And like I said, a lot of guys was making a lot of money. A lot of guys was going out working in the main event, but it definitely was wasn't a whole lot of main event caliber matches if you go back and watch uh, WCW at that time if Booker T wasn't in it. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> uh, one guy, obviously, Booker, what got WCW into the league was obviously the NWO, and then um, what I think became an issue with the NWO is then what started off as this really excitingly new idea all of a sudden then like everybody became a member of the nwo and then it kind of uh at least to some people watching it 
me, I know I thought it, it, it kind of lost its feeling a little bit because it's like, oh, now everybody's, it doesn't seem as exclusive in this, like, <laughs> this happening, happening thing. And, and Chris Jericho in the, in the Monday Night Wars documentary mentioned how a lot of the other guys just didn't want to, hated being involved in matches with them because it just came out to, uh, oh, you're, you're just going to get attacked 10 on one at some point. It becomes a, you know, a, a squash. And a lot of the other guys in WCW started to resent that in a way. Uh, did you get that same feeling being in there as well on a day-to-day basis that maybe at some point it started to shift where the rest of the roster started to resent the NWO or? Um, you know, I, I can honestly tell you this. Um, when the NWO um, was formed um, and then it, you know, created and grabbed the momentum that it did, you know, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, you know, um, you know Hulk Hogan, um, I, I don't, I, me, honestly, personally, I don't think they, um, you know, had any idea it was going to get as big as it did and become global, a worldwide phenomenon. I, I really didn't think that. But um, I, I t- that's why I say, you know, when they dropped the ball and everybody started joining the NWO, it really lost its punch. And then it had NWO red and white, uh, red and black, you know, and then the black and white, and then it had the LWO. Um, everybody came out to one music um, except for me. Um, and and definitely, I didn't resent it. For me, um, it was a good thing. Um, um, I was one of the only guys who, when I came out, I had my music. I was the only guy that was an individual at that time. Um, I didn't get caught up in the, you know, the NWO, you know, you know, beat downs and whatnot. You know, I kind of like stayed away from that kind of stuff, you know. So for me, um, it was great. For a lot of the other guys on the roster, it definitely wasn't so great. Um, I was totally, um, um, a uh, loner and uh, the NWO actually, uh, Kevin Nash came to me one day and he was like, man, you know, bro, we need some color, man. We need some, you know, we need, a, you know, somebody cool in the NWO, man. We'd love to bring you in. And I was like, man, I appreciate it, but thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I'm not going to be the guy on the house shows bumping every night and, you know, getting beat up, you know, when it was time for somebody in the group to get beat up, you know what I mean? So I was like, totally stayed away from it. And, uh, you know, me and Kev, uh, we are the best of friends uh, to this day. And we talk about it all the time. Yeah, they wanted you out there. Listen, they said, uh, Scott and I need off on these house shows. Hulk needs off on these house shows. If you Listen, you wear NWL, man. You can headline off those house shows. He's like, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> exactly. I would have been headlining all those shows. They would have been sitting at home. I would have been the guy going out and doing all the work. So I was like, thanks for no thanks, guys. And uh, um, they, they, they stuck me in the NWO for about a week um, throughout my career. And um, I'm glad that was all it was. Yeah. And then when you were there with the WWE, it was uh, – you know that was the springboard of your uh, your face turn in the WWE. Um, yeah, with, yeah. Your, with your with the uh, NWO. But um, one thing, one other thing with WCW, I just want to ask a general question. Um, you were with WCW before they launched Monday Nitro. Can you talk about breaking into WCW and the tag team matches you had with your brother uh, before leading up into the NWO era? Because you ended up fighting with the Road Warriors, the Steiners. Uh, you know, the Nasty Boys. Can you talk about those types of matches with those teams? Because that's like the who's who in tag team wrestling right there at that point in time. Yeah, man, uh, it was it was great for uh, my brother and I at that time, you know, uh, before the Monday Night Wars, you know, going to center stage uh, down on Peach Street. 
um, down in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, it was like our home. You know, we was like the hometown kids there. You know, the place only held about a thousand people, but uh, that thousand people used to be rocking. You know what I mean? And and then uh, wrestle guys like the Steiners. You know what I mean? To have classic matches with those guys and go out and you know, because the Steiner brothers, you know, those guys had been around a while before I got in the business, and then actually being in the ring with Rick Steiner was was awesome. You know what I mean? And then the Nasty Boys. You know, to have a, a legendary you know tag team run with those guys for about eight months straight. You know what I mean? Couldn't wait till that run was over with. Thank God. Um, but uh, and then actually, you know, uh, you know, uh, do the thing with the Road Warriors. We really, you know, never really got a chance to do it like we wanted to do it uh, with the Road Warriors. I mean, because that was a it's huge. That was a main event, um, a pay-per-view match anywhere in the world, and WCW just never got it done um, like the way it should have. They definitely dropped the ball on that deal right there. You know, it ended up being me and Sting uh, against the Road Warriors. I don't know who, who what, what, you know, Brainiac thought of that. You know what I mean? But um, I tell you, um, I had a lot of great times um, in WCW at that time before the Monday Night Wars and even after, the, you know, um, all the way to the end. You know, I had a great time. Also, you know, with your with your time with WCW towards the end there, when those last uh, those last couple nitros, um, how is it feeling? You know, you and Scott Steiner again, one one member of the Steiner brothers, one member of the Harlem Heat, main eventing the last uh, you know, the last nitro in Panama City. How was the atmosphere going into that last nitro, and what was it like for you to close out the company wearing both the United States and World Heavyweight Championship? Oh man, uh, that, that following that, that last night, you know, um, I tell you, uh, it was it was a uh, toxic turvy. I mean, it was a lot of tears. You know, there was a lot of guys, a lot of guys that were sad. You know, knowing the end was coming. Um, it was WCW had, you know, it finally come to an end. And you know, people had never imagined or dreamt that in a million years. You know, that a lot of guys were going to be losing their jobs. You know, uh, not knowing what the future was going to hold for them. Um, Remember one of the guys asking me, you know, man, uh, man, he was really sad. He was like, man, what are you gonna do? You know, book, you know, this is the final day. You know, what you sad? You know, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm a little, uh, you know, perplexed about it. But you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to WWE. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I knew what my plan was all along. Um, I always known um, since I was a little bitty boy um, when I lost my father at ten months old and lost my mother when I was thirteen years old. I knew everything came to an end. Um, so I never, you know thought like most guys in WCW, I always, you know, I knew it had to come to an end sooner or later, you know, and when it did, I was just preparing myself for it, you know what I mean? Um, the closeout WCW, uh, you know, the heavyweight champion, the United States champion, dual champion, um, you know, oh, man, to win my fourth, you know, heavyweight championship, something, a uh, title that I never thought I would ever, you know, um, hold in WCW. Um, I was like, wow, you know what I mean? Um, a kid who actually started at the bottom and, and, and rose all the way to the top of the card um, to close the company down, something that will, you know, go on and live in history uh, for the rest of um, our days. It would never be changed. Booker T was the final WCW heavyweight champion. I cannot even believe that, you know, sometimes, um, you know, <laughs> just thinking about it and talking about it, uh, um, right now, but um, I tell you, it was a great moment for me, um, but um, I, it, it wasn't a moment that defined me. Um, it was a moment that, you know, um, I took and, and cherished it, but it was time to keep on working. And how did you um, How did you feel about your debut in the Meadowlands? You know, uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, the King of the Ring, you know, were you surprised that the, the pop was as big as it was for you at that point? I'm not surprised, you know. I mean, I always do the fans love me, you know what I mean? The fans always gave me my props. They always raised the roof, 
you know, when Booker T came out, they always, you know, you know, was on top of it when the Spinner Rooney came down, you know, I mean, Harlem, hey, everything I went out there and did, the fans were always behind me. Questions were answered, you know, when I when I won my first heavyweight championship, but the fans really, you know, um, you know, believed in Booker T and, you know, was behind Booker T. The, the questions were, were answered, you know, when I came into WWE, man, the fanfare was great, you know what I mean? And then to come in like that was, was even more awesome. But um, I, I looked at it like, um, uh, you know, a construction worker, man. I was just putting my hard hat on and coming to work at that time because, um, you know, I was having darts thrown at me. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, and I knew um, it was, you know, easy to get there, but it was going to be so much harder to stay there. That's what I tell all of my students, you know, it's easy to get there, but it's so hard to stay there, you know what I mean? So I was just focused more than anything to whatever they were going to throw at me. I was going to be ready to catch it and uh, keep on moving forward. And you were also there during a very tough time after the 9/11 attacks. Um, this was a question that I definitely had to ask you because you were you were there for the first show after 9/11. What was the feeling like at that point in time, especially being in Houston, Texas, at that point in time as well? You know, a lot of people, you know, um, question it. You know, what I mean, should we do the show? You know, we postponed it that, that Monday, and uh, you know, took a took a breather, took a couple of days. You know, and the world was um, at a standstill um, at that time still. And, um, you know, they they made the decision to go out there and perform. You know, we had a meeting before, you know, uh, we went out and performed that night. And um, it wasn't about the storylines or anything like that. It was just about going out there and, you know, giving the fans some really, really good matches, something that they can get off into, something that they can, you know, um, you know, totally um, take their mind uh, off of what had happened in the world as well as not let something like that stop America and uh, our, you know, our fighting spirit. You know, we had to keep going forward. You know what I mean? So to, to go out there that night and perform, you know, it was, uh, I was proud, you know, I was proud, you know, to go out there and do it, you know, back in 2002, uh, you know, I went to Iraq, you know, and actually got a chance to visit with the soldiers and see how much those guys really cared about us, you know what I mean? So I really thought it was a, a time for us to go out there and, you know, give America something else to think about for a moment. And I think we were the first, and I, I think it was a good thing. You brought up the uh, the shows uh, for the troops that the WWE did um, in Iraq and, and overseas. Um, talk about that for me. Where would you rank that on your uh, career plateaus because it, it seemed like a from hearing from a lot of the other superstars it, it's really something that when they got to do it uh, they really held it in in such high regard and and uh, really uh, putting it towards the top of their career. Do you, you kind of feel the the same way with it looking back on those uh, shows and those experiences you had there? I tell you um, when I went there uh, um, at the time I went back in two thousand three. Um, you know my son was. Uh, 2000, yeah, 2000, 2002. Uh, my son was around the same age um, as those kids um, that were there, you know, 21, 22-year-old kids, and I got a chance to see, man, how big of a responsibility those kids have. You know, the news don't report, you know, that part of those kids' lives. You know, I, I see them come in on missions and then, you know, get some child, get a couple of minutes of sleep, and then right back out on it, dusty. You know, but they got that M16 on their back defending our freedom, you know, um, Man, that was that was awesome. You know what I mean. We were there for like five days, and when it was time for time to go, I did not want to leave. I wanted to stay there um, and you know do my part. Um, that's that's how caught up I was. I don't know if it was just getting caught up in the moment or what, but um, I do rank it um, as the you know most uh, the utmost trip that I've ever taken in my twenty three years, twenty four years in this in this business. Um, I rank it um, higher than all of them. It was the best trip I ever had. 
Now, Booker, I, I have a, a did-you-know question from our friend uh, Jamie Morris from – he is with WWE Fanatics. He, did you know, Booker, that you are one of the only two – one of the only few no, – I'm sorry, he said you're the only one who's ever had both WWE and WCW Triple Crown champion. I don't know if you knew that or not. You know, people always, you know, they give me my stats, you know what I mean? They tell me, you know, I'm like most decorated champion – you know, and, you know, WCW history and, you know, I don't know, you know, it's it's flattering. You know, I tell you that it's flattering. You know, it lets me know that I, I work my butt off, you know, to try to, uh, you know, achieve, you know, all my goals. You know, um, when I first got into wrestling business, I, that my goals was to be mentioned in the same breath of guys like Nick Bockwinkle, guys like, you know, Ric Flair, you know, um, you know the greats. You know, I, I wanted to go down, you know, in history as uh, one of the greatest wrestlers, that I ever put on a pair of boots, you know. And no one can question my stats or anything like that, you know what I mean? But stats are, you know, only, you know, what people, uh, you know, perceive them to be, you know. I'm, I'm a professional wrestler. I'm an entertainer. You know, every title that I was given, you know, to put around my waist just let me know that I was representing the company at that time. I represented it because I, I went out there and, um, you know, I wanted to be the best wrestler on the card, you know what I mean? And titles just, you know, you know, fall in my lap just by going out there and doing that. And I, and I appreciate the fans, man, you know what I mean, who put me in that position, you know, to, to do all the stuff that I've done. You know, I always ask God, you know, why, you know, why me? You know, why did this happen to me? You know, um, but um, I, I never really get any answers, but I just keep moving forward and um, just keep trying to do the work. Yeah, no, uh, that situation, you're glad it happened to you, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely I'm glad it happened to me, you know what I mean? But the thing was, you know, along the way, I really wasn't thinking about titles or anything like that. I never thought about the championship or anything like that. I mean, when me and my brother, you know, was together, you know, I think I thought about the tag team championship because it was me and my brother. You know, but on, outside of that, I just went out and did the work, and literally the fans put me in a position because they loved me. They was going to cheer for me, you know what I mean? I was going to sell some tickets, uh, first and foremost, and um, that's why, you know, I did the things that I did, I think. Your first couple of years in WWE after the the uh, whole merger and everything, you, you feuded with some of the two of the bigger WWE superstars from that era, with the Undertaker and, and Stone Cold. Uh, what was it like to work with those guys and develop a storyline? And, and and like I said, two of the bigger guys. Uh, obviously, the Undertaker is on a uh, on a iconic level in terms of what he's meant to the business, and, and Stone Cold's right up there as well. Uh, what was it like to work with those two guys specifically, and, and uh, especially so early in your in your career in, in WWE? And how was the grocery store taping? Was was it as as fantastic as it was when we watched it? <laughs> That's what everybody wanted to ask me about there, the grocery store, you know. But I tell you, looking up with um, you know, Undertaker, you know, uh, you know, you know, actually, you know, going to the voodoo, you know, lady trying to help me, you know, you know, finish him and whatnot, um, doing the stuff with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, um, at that time, you know, when I got to WWE, um, I, it was a totally, um, I had to, you know, totally transform. You know, in order to, you know, stick around and uh, be a part of that thing. You know, I was going through a lot of character building at that time. Um, in WCW, I was always known as the ultimate wrestler. I can go out there and perform in the middle of that ring, in that 20 by 20 ring, no problem at all, and give you, you know, the ultimate spectacle. You know what I mean? But the stuff that I was doing in WWE, um, I had to, you know, totally uh, rethink it. I had to put myself in a 
totally different uh, frame of mind. I had to go out and perform, act um, at my highest, you know what I mean? And the stuff that uh, Stone Cold and I did, you know, uh, even leading up to the grocery store was uh, awesome. You know, a lot of people don't talk about that stuff, you know what I mean? But I tell you, uh, we did a, a lot of great things, and then uh, the culminated uh, with the grocery, grocery store fight, you know, was, was you know, awesome even, even, uh, even more. You know, people always come up to me and they ask me about, you know, the grocery store uh, match. And, you know, none of them never say, man, Stone Cold beat you up in the grocery store. They always say, man, that was some of the best stuff i ever seen in my life, you know, you and Stone Cold fighting in the grocery store, you know. And that's what I've always tried to do uh, with, you know, my fans is, you know, leave them with a feeling. If they felt something when they left, they're going to come back and, you know, see see me again, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, seeing a good movie and can't wait to, you know, watch it again, you know what I mean? So, uh that's something that uh, Stone Cold and I, you know, was able to go out there and, you know, uh, you know, take to another level and give the fans, uh, you know, entertainment outside of the ring um, in a totally different, you know, from a totally different perspective. And um, I loved it. It was great. Uh, you know, it's funny too, Buck. You know, you talk about the comedy aspect of it. Um, when when you and I spoke the last time when we were talking about your book, I, I didn't let you off the hook until we talked about the relationship you had with uh, Dustin Reynolds' Goldust. Um, your work with Goldust was the funny, some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. But the one promo in, promo in particular was at the King of the Ring back in '02, where it was you, Goldust, and The Rock. And that to me was, I don't know how you kept a straight face when watching like <laughs> Goldust have some of the mannerisms he was doing and The Rock's just reacting. Yeah. And you saw, you saw your face, you're, you're trying not to laugh. <laughs> you know, just, just, just watching you with that was was. But what was that like? You know, the relationship that with you and Goldust between the lumberjack and the Seven Eleven. Talk about that aspect of it. I tell you, man. Uh, when when Goldie and I was, you know, doing our act, it was. Uh, I, I was, you know, I mean, it was. They shouldn't have been paying us at that time. <laughs> literally, we were not saying. We were just coming to work every week, and we were just doing something stupid every week. You know, we were just going out and having a lot of fun. You know, and uh, it was it was just, um, it was priceless, you know. But I don't think, you know, when they first put Booker T and Goldust together, they thought they was going to get that. They didn't think they was going to get, you know, uh, some stuff that they was going to be able to, you know, play for many, many years. You know, that's on the network right now for nine ninety nine. You know what I mean? Uh, it was awesome, man. You know, Goldie and I, you know, was uh, two characters. It was, it, you know, I grew up, you know, in the, you know, seventies and eighties. You know, and uh, Cal Burnett used to be, uh, you know, one of the big things to watch at ten o'clock at night. You know, right before you go to bed. And uh, Harvey Corman and uh, Tim Conway used to be on there. And they could never get through a scene without laughing. You know, on, on, you know, on camera, and that's what I felt like when I was with Goldie. I was just trying to keep them laughing on camera the whole time, you know. And uh, but the inside, I would be laughing the whole time, you know. But uh, it was great. It was it was one of the greatest times of my wrestling career. What was Vince's reaction to all this? Like when when that was going up? Because like they said, Vince has a very dry sense of humor. But like you know, some of the things that he finds funny were all sitting there. Some of the stuff that ended up coming on TV, like the necrophilia stuff, he, Vince thought that was hysterical. And we're all just sitting there going, "That's not funny whatsoever." How was Vince's take on some of the stuff that you and Goldust were doing at the time? Oh man, uh, I think you know, I think Vince perhaps gave a, a thumbs up on 100% of the stuff that Goldie and I went out and did. I mean, I think he was laughing the whole time. You know, I've always done you know, what uh what Vince was looking for in an entertainer, you know, and a performer. And 
I've always been able to go out there and, you know, no matter what it was, you know, smallest little things on the card, you know, um, taking a stunner, you know, to make it the best thing on the card um, for that night. And that, that's what Goldie and I was about at that time. We didn't really care, you know, what they gave us. You know, uh, we was going to go out there and we was going to make it the best thing on the card that night. And uh, I think Vince gave us total approval. You know, Buck, you're also doing your wrestling school. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your promotion, your wrestling school, and some of the things that you're doing right now? Oh, man, right now, you know, uh, reality is wrestling. You know, of course, we got our local TV deal here in Houston. Uh, got a thing coming up um, this Saturday. It's called Fantasy Camp. You know, this is my third fantasy camp. Um, we normally have about 40 kids out here um, living out their dream, you know, seeing exactly if they want to actually, you know, pursue this business. You know, we normally get about five students out of fantasy camp. Um, I'm getting ready to start this tournament. Actually, I'm going to be starting in July with um, Pro Wrestling Syndicate, um, Northeast Wrestling, as, as well as um, Hollywood Pro Wrestling. Uh, we're going to be doing a big tournament January, February, March, and April um, in four different cities, uh, bringing independent wrestling to the forefront and giving them a spotlight and uh, I'm taking it to the world. Um, my wrestling school is, um, I, you know, I got over 50 students here in my school. And um, I tell you, man, it's something that's growing on a, on a day-to-day basis, a uh, week-to-week basis. We just did our, you know, um, our breast cancer awareness um, month of shows um, just last week um, for Reality of Wrestling. I tell you, uh, go to realityofwrestling.com and, um, you know, get the information. Follow me on Twitter at BookerT5X. I'm always tweeting about Reality of Wrestling, trying to take, you know, um, you know, I, I want to take this thing to the next level. Uh, um, definitely um, it's, it's to fuel, uh, you know, you know, the the business more than anything. Um, let these kids go out there and fulfill their dreams, hopefully get a chance to, you know, get that big WWE contract one day and um, live out their dreams and go around the world such as I did one day. But uh, reality of wrestling is the um, ultimate platform um, for these kids to come out and learn, first and foremost, from the Hall of Famer, Booker T, six-time world heavyweight champion. Um, you know, when you said triple <laughs> crown uh, winner, you know, you know uh, one of the most, decor- the most decorated champion perhaps of all time, come trade with Booker T, and uh, you know, perhaps you could be the uh, star of the future. Booker, you, uh, I'm glad you brought up your your wrestling academy because I've always had, I always like to find out from people who've had success in in the, uh, you know, in their respective business. When you get the uh, the opportunity to work with younger uh, people who sh- who share the same passion for it that you do. Uh, you know what is it? What is it? Uh, I guess what does it feel mean to you to have these people come specifically to you and say, you know, show me the ropes and, and want to learn from you? You know, that's got to be something that's you know a little you know pat on the back as well. You did something right that the people now want to learn uh, from you want to see if they can get uh, you know to where you went. You know, um, you know when I first got in uh, the wrestling business. You know, um, there was a lot of, you know, schools out there, and, you know, they were always just, you know, schools taking kids' money and whatnot, you know. And I said, man, when I when I get to the point one day I'm going to open my own wrestling school and I'm going to change that whole thing and um, give these kids a platform to actually go out here and learn this, this, this stuff properly. And um, I got to that point, and that's exactly what I did, you know. And, you know, um, some of my first students that came, uh, you know, my first, uh, you know, when I first opened the gym, you know, they're still with me, you know. Uh, 
and that that's really really cool. Uh, like I said, I got over fifty students um, here in my gym, and uh, for them to come and you know want to learn from me, it's really cool. And uh, this is my trade. This is what I do, and this is what I do pretty good. I do it pretty good. Um, but my thing is, I'm not a I'm not a coach. I'm not a trainer. You know, I'm a teacher. You know, it's hard to teach someone. Um, something that's um, entertainment, you know, something that's, you know, um, going out art. It's, it's art. It's a performance. You know, you teach, um, you know, MMA. You, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, you train MMA. You train, you know, boxers, you know what I mean, um, eight weeks to go out there for a fight. You know, so I'm a guru. I go out there and I get in these kids' heads. I teach them the psychology. Um, I teach them the safety factor. Um, I teach them the smoke and mirrors. I teach them um, locker room etiquette. I teach them what it takes to make it in the locker room because if you don't make it in the locker room, you you have no chance of making it in the ring, um, as well as I try to, you know, give them all the tools to go out there and uh, perform without a net, you know what I mean, uh, learn this business the way I learned it, you know, by, you know, looking out of the curtain, you know, watching guys like Black Boyd and Johnny Mantel go out there and spin their magic, you know what I mean, so that's what I try to teach these kids. You know, put them in a good um, um, environment, um, first and foremost as well, because it's a team thing. You know, if everybody rode the same way at the same time, we'll get to our destination. Only one chief in my gym. Everybody else is Indians. You also talk about, you know, with the school and the promotion and, you know, your love of teaching. Um, if people, so you said on the website that you have, are they able to watch the shows since if they're not in the Houston area, they're able to watch the shows on the website. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. I'm able to watch the shows on the website. Actually, um, if not on the website, they're going to be able to go to um, Soul of the South Network um, dot com, and um, that's SSN Network dot com. And our shows will be airing back on there starting at the first of the month. That's a um, our small national um, um, network that we have. Um, we we're actually aired um, in you know places like Chicago. Um, we're actually some parts of New York, um, places like Indiana. Um, we got a few spots um, that we're out there in right now. So um, go to SoulOfSouthNetwork.com and um, and um, check it out. You know, reality of wrestling. That's awesome. Um, I really wanted to jump back into sports with you because the last time we talked, you know, we, you told me how big of a Miami Heat fan you were at the time. I have to get your thoughts about LeBron James going back to Cleveland. I am an NBA guy. I'm an NBA writer. So you know, I want to talk a little bit of hoops with you. Uh, what are your thoughts about LeBron going back to Cleveland? Man, I think it was a bold move, you know what I mean? I thought it was, you know, a guy that was, you know, he couldn't have been doing it. Uh, I mean, of course he got paid to go back and do it. But I think, um, you know, going back to the city where it all started, you know, I mean, in the end, that means a whole lot, um, believe it or not, you know, because I always say, you know, um, I want to finish this career that I have um, right now the way I started, and that's with my brother, Stevie Ray, as a tag team, you know, that's the way I want to, you know, go out. You know, so him to go back, is uh, it was big, it was uh Definitely honorable uh, for him to go back, and um, big props to Fort uh, to him going back. So, are you still a Miami Heat guy, or you're gonna be a Cleveland guy now? You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not a bandwagon jumper or anything like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, um, I'm not. No, seriously, I'm not even really. You know, I'm not a uh, one of these um, LeBron, you know, uh, jock riders or anything like that. Either, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, I'm a big. Uh, I'm a love. You know, a lover of the game. You know what I mean? And, and a guy that's got talent. You know, you can't take nothing away from him. You can't go out there and hate on him or anything like that. You can't even hate on him for going to South Beach. Who wouldn't want to win a ring? You know what I mean? He got his ring now. Now he can go back and try to concentrate on getting, you know, Cleveland a ring. Maybe that that was the whole master plan, you know, in the beginning, you know what I mean? So um, I, I, I give him big props, you know, for going back and hopefully, uh, 
you know, Cleveland to have a better team and hopefully Miami, uh, you know, uh, survive this uh, little storm they're going through. Yeah, plus, who wouldn't want to go to South Beach? That's the way I look. Exactly. Like, who wouldn't want to go to South Beach? That's like saying going to L.A. Of course you're going to go. That's, yeah, that's, that's, like, exactly. that's like, would you rather see girls would you rather see girls wearing winter jackets or want to see girls wearing bikinis? I, I think that's a very obvious question. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that's a very obvious question, don't you? <laughs> it's easy. That's an easy one. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. That's like saying, do you want to see Mayo? you want to see Trish Stratus? Come on now. <laughs> exactly, man. I love L.A., man. I love, you know, you know Miami, man. Those are some of the, my best places, you know, to go and visit, man. I, I wouldn't mind staying there, you know what I mean, especially in L.A., but, you know, the you know, freaking property taxes and all that stuff would kill you. <laughs> so hey, book. Growing up in Houston, hey, book. Growing up in Houston, what, what were some of your, uh, you know, favorite athletes uh, growing up, and uh, you know, people that you first noticed on an athletic level? Oh man, uh, you know, had, I go back to like Gail Sayers. You know what I mean? He was, you know, he was the first. You know what I mean? Runner. You know, in, in the game of football that I gravitated to, and then of course the juice. You know, <laughs> with him with all of his problems, Jose <laughs> Simpson was definitely, uh, you know, the man uh, here in Houston. Moses Malone. You know what I mean? He was he was our guy. You know what I mean? And then of course uh, McKean Elijah came along. You know, um, there shortly after that. You know, I'm Houston guy as well. You know. Um, so, so I've, I've had a lot of them, man. You know, I've always been, you know, people don't remember Chuck Foreman back in the day, you know what I mean? Inventor of the spin move. You know, we got all these football players out there now, you know, go out there and they do that little spin move, but we never give Chuck Foreman from the Minnesota Vikings no props, the guy who invented the spin move. You know what I mean? That's like somebody doing a spin rooney and me not getting my props. Book, <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have something on the show here. We like to call five random questions. Uh, Mike and I just throw random things out there. Sometimes it's more than five. Like with Tommy Dreamer, it ended up being like seven because the answers he kept on giving us were crazy. Uh, we just kept on coming up with more stuff. But uh, the first random question here for you, um, WWE released a WWE After Raw went off the air type of show. And they did a segment there where it was you, Triple H, Undertaker, Vince McMahon, maybe somebody else, and you guys were trying to get Undertaker than Rooney. How does it feel that something that was yours and that was like the, it was the big thing at that time and was part of that post-show in-house, you know, thing? You know, how did that make you feel knowing that it was your thing and it became, you know, a big thing for everybody there? You know, if I'd have known it was going to be on the network for nine 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 ninety nine every other week, I'd have been thinking about royalties back then. <laughs> you know, <but laughs> no, but now the thing was, uh, no, no, seriously, man, uh, it was an honor. You know what I mean? Uh, have Vince McMahon, all the top guys, all the major players out there, you know, trying to do my move to spin a rooney. You know what I mean? I loved it. Um, it's a time, you know, that will live on forever. You know, my kids. You know, that's uh, four years old with Kenny Rose and Kendrick James. One day they'll be able to actually, you know, see that. You know what I mean? I, I, I could be six feet under and they'll still be able to, you know, watch stuff like that and see their dad having fun, you know, and smile and laugh. And I tell you, um, and to make it to that point um, in WWE, coming from WCW to where, you know, um, the WCW guys out there and, you know, we're doing all of my stuff, you know. So it was really, really cool actually uh, to have that moment, you know, with Vince McMahon and, you know, all the other guys. 
What was your reaction the first time you saw yourself, uh, whether it was WCW, WWE, in both video games and action figures? Oh, man, I, I felt great, man, because the Rossies were coming in like crazy right about that time. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> you got that green coming in. You want to keep that? Like, you can like, yeah, man. Get I'm like, figures out. <laughs> I'm like, get me another figure out as soon as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, go ahead. Uh, what was the um, – when you looked at your appearance – schedule. What was the one city you looked forward to the most? Uh, Toronto. Toronto, Canada, man. Oh, man, that was a nice place to go to. It's kind of like a, you know, cold California, you know, cold L.A. type, you know what I mean? Uh, the women, you know, was lovely. You know, the city was uh, beautiful and clean. You know, the nightlife was uh, always uh, really, really something, you know what I mean? And T.O., man, it's the place to go. <laughs> what do you um, watch on the WWE Network? Uh, the the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't stop laughing because that's funny. Um, <laughs> have you been able Have you been able to explore the network that much since since it's uh, since it's gone on? No, I actually haven't. Uh, you know, um, I'm 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 always working, man. Um, I do my research and stuff like that. You know, for what I got to go out there and do. You know, um, I watch you know Monday Night Raw. You know, to make sure. You know, I've never been. You know, I've never been one of those guys that uh, watch my footage and you know watch my old matches and stuff like that. Right now, I'm doing my my uh, my wrestling book book two. I'm going to be coming out next year sometime, and uh, I literally have to go back and. You know, um, YouTube, you know, um, Network, um, Daily Motion, um, and find out, you know, look at those matches because I don't remember them. You know, um, because not not that you know, um, you know, I'm foggy or anything like that. But um, when I wrestled, I never, you know, I, I know guys like Mick Foley, and he can remember every match, you know, where he was, what city, you know what I mean, how many people was there. And, Which is amazing um, because and, uh, he's taken so much stuff to the head that you would think that he would remember anything, and he remembers everything. That's yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. I was in some of those matches with him, but but the thing um, for for me was I never wrestled for me. Um, I never wrestled to entertain myself. I always wrestled to entertain the fans, and um, I always say it's for the fans' memory, for them to remember it, and you know, ask me about it, and then I'll remember it once they remind me of, of it. You know what I mean? But the the memory was, you know, was for the fan um, to go out there and um, enjoy. You know, I never could put myself in that moment where it was for me, and I think that's what propelled me to make it to the next level because I was always wrestling for the fan. Hey, uh, Book, what, what was it like to have your brother induct you into the WWE Hall of Fame? You know, um, you know, before my brother, uh, before that week, you know, um, actually uh, maybe that, you know, few weeks leading up to it, uh, my brother and I hadn't spoken for like five years, you know, maybe five, maybe five or six years, you know, that little few going, you know, and, uh, you know, and I'm, but, you know, um, I knew um, when I got asked, you know, you know, that uh, as far as me going into the hall, I was like, wow, you know, how who am I going to actually, you know, you know, you know, bring me in, you know, and I can ask anybody but my brother, you know what I mean? So, 
Oh, my brother, you know, we had a little talk. He was a little rough. You know, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> you know, so, so uh, you know, then, you know, the closer we got to it, you know, the more, you know, uh, you know, he was liking things. And then, you know, once we got there, you know, and, you know, uh, it was like uh, he needed it more, you know, just as much as I did. You know, and uh, now we're back together again. You know, Harlem Heat. You know, um, you know, my brother just opened his Twitter account today at the Stevie Ray <laughs> at the Stevie Ray, and uh, you know, and, uh, he just opened it today. You know, and uh, we're back together again. Helping me work with my uh, wrestling company, uh, Reality of Wrestling. You know, so uh, it was great, man. It was great. It was a great moment. You know, him up there telling the stories, telling the world about me falling out in the middle of the street, crying, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? You know, so it was cool. You know what I mean? It was cool. I didn't know he was gonna go any go there. You know, anything like that. But uh, it was perhaps the uh, best day of my uh, career. All right, my last my last question: How difficult was it to do a spin Rooney wearing a tuxedo? It wasn't that difficult. I was uh, anticipating on doing it. I, I do it in the suit all the time. You know, that, that tux is cut a little, a little uh, tight. Um, but, <laughs> you know, people don't, really, don't, don't know the story. Uh, but when I did that spinneroni on the uh, on that wood, uh, I uh, tore my tricep. And uh, <laughs> and um, I had to have surgery uh, like a month or so after that. You know what I mean? Uh, but it was worth it, man. It was worth it, you know what I mean, to go out there because I always had uh, envisioned, you know, if I was ever, you know, to make it to the Hall of Fame, you know, I wanted to be able to walk in. First and foremost, I wanted to look good, you know, um, two. Um, and three, um, I wanted to be able to do the spin rooney and uh, I got a chance to do all of them. Um, you know, it's funny, too. You said, we talked about the Hall of Fame, and that year was also the same year that, you know, Mick Foley went on and Chris Jericho came up on stage. Um, Jericho, I heard Jericho do an interview, and he said, he, you know how he has the light-up jacket? He wants to go up on stage with uh, lighting-up sunglasses. That's that He said that was his, his new latest thing. He was going to try and get the sunglasses. Um, how much, you know, when I spoke to you last year, you talked about your favorite matches. And you talked about most it was with a lot of the Canadian guys. You know, it was Christian, Benoit, Bret Hart. Um, if you had to pick maybe three matches, I know you said you don't go back and watch a lot of things, but if you had, to, you know, from your memory, if you had to pick maybe three matches that you would recommend someone to watch of you, which three do you think you would choose? Um, from WCW, um, it would have to be, uh, of course, uh, of course, uh, of course. Uh, uh, Benoit and I, you know, uh, that's a, a no-brainer, <laughs> you know what I mean? But a lot of people don't, uh, you know, think about, don't talk about the match uh, Brett, Brett Hart and I had. You know, Brett Hart and I, we went out and had some really, really good stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, it was real as it possibly could be, you know. Uh, really wanted to, you know, do a, a long, long feud with um, Brett, uh, as well as uh, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho was one of my all-time, you know, uh, you know, my rivals, you know, my nemesis, you know what I mean? We were always fighting to, you know, see who the best was. You know, we always went out and had really good matches, too, because Chris was one of the guys who would, you know, put his body out there for me and make make me look as good as I possibly could, you know what I mean? He would take it, you know, just as good as he would dish it out, you know what I mean? So um, definitely uh, those three guys, and all of them Canadian, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so uh, uh, but uh, those would be the guys. All right, and last thing, I want to do this with you, if you don't mind. Since you're a sports fan, you're an NFL guy, let's uh, let's do some picks. Are you up for doing some picks with us? Sure, man. 
Okay. What about uh, tomorrow night, Tampa Bay and Atlanta? You know, man, I'm I'm hoping Maddie Ice um, get on track and uh, pull it out. So I'm gonna go with um, Atlanta. Okay. Uh, San Diego Buffalo. Man, Buffalo right now is doing real good right now, but um, got to go with San Diego, man. Got to go with San Diego. And Philip Rivers and Gates are in a different dimension right now. Man, um, they're off the hook right now. Do you do fantasy football? No, I don't, man, but I would be good if I did. Oh, next year you're <laughs> in our league, man. That's 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 a given. Next year next year you're joining our league. There's no I'm not even we're not even Boom, you're in our league next year. Hey. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> okay. Um Dallas and St. Louis. Oh man, I gotta go with St. Louis, man. I have no faith in Dallas, you know what I mean? Even though they <laughs> you know, um gotta win. But uh I have no faith in Tony Romo. Um um I have no faith in uh Jerry Jones um um knowledge to go out there and manage a team which he should be somewhere in the front office thinking about checks and balances, you know what I mean? So definitely gotta go against um Dallas. Okay, the Washington Redskins versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Got to go with the Eagles, man. Uh, of course, man. Uh, Foles, <laughs> Foles, right now he's gonna he's getting the job done. Um, so so definitely got to go with the uh, Eagles on that one. As well as I saw a tweet uh, from the Bellas on ESPN said, "Go Eagles," and I love the Bellas. <laughs> Even though they're having their little uh, family feud right now. Um, hey man, I like women. I love women when they fight. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, if they did a three-hour Monday Night Raw just so the divas just fighting. I'd, I'd sit there with a thing of popcorn. And watch. You know, make it was, you know, you can make it Yeah, I was about to say you can make we can call that late night Raw. That's what I'm calling. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm okay it, with man. that. <laughs> um, so a, a town you might you know be in favor of the Houston Texans are at the New York Giants, a team that Mike and I are very familiar with. Man, Texas, man, gotta go with the Texas Giants. Look real bad. They they dismal uh, right now. Uh, I mean, those guys. Uh, Eli, you know, Eli always thought he was a little slow. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's funny. You know, right now, right right now, they're they're turning. They're going to Offa's wrestling school and asking if anybody there wants to be on the offensive line because right now they they just can't protect Eli. <laughs> you know what? You know, Eli, I, I don't think it's just that. You know, Eli make a lot of bad decisions, man. He's awkward. You know what I mean? Sometimes he looks like he's got two left, left feet. You know what I mean? Um, and I tell you, um, how he got a Super Bowl ring, well, we know how he got a Super Bowl ring. Look. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny, too. It's funny you say that. He's used to having, you know, during those years when they were they were competing for Super Bowls, they were they had a lot of time to throw the ball. Now he's running for his life. It's you know because the offense yeah. can't hold anybody. You know, so we only have two seconds to throw the ball, and that that doesn't really help you too much. Uh, I so I tend to agree with you. I think I think the Texans are gonna come in there, and Giants are gonna be zero three for the second straight. Texans are looking um, good, even even though even though even though um, uh, I don't like Chase Keenum, you know what I mean. But he's uh, he's better than Matt Schaub, you know what I mean. So um, I give uh, Texas a benefit of the doubt. They got Foster, you know, they got Foster up in the backfield, and that's what gives us a big chance. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, Minnesota, New Orleans. This is this is going to be a, an interesting game. I think it's going to be really one sided, but I think it's going to be an interesting game. 
<laughs> I got to go with New Orleans on that one right there. Uh, Minnesota with all their troubles, you know what I mean, with all their turmoil, distractions, whatnot. Um, not even, not not just that, you know what I mean. I think it's time for um, my, my Saints, uh, who they uh, to get on track and go out there and uh, do it like it's supposed to be done. Cincinnati and Tennessee. Oh, man, uh, I'm going to go with Cincy on that, man. I'm going to go with Cincy. Uh, I'm going to go against the grain on, on that one right there because I'm a Tennessee fan, um, them being former Houston Oilers, you know what I mean? So, uh, But, I'm, you know, I'm going to go the opposite. All right. Uh, we'll do one or two more. Um, let's do the Indianapolis Colts versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, man, Jaguars, I like the Jaguars, but I got to go with the Colts, man, because then uh, Luck, yeah, I mean, that, man, that kid, man, he's a stud. You know what I mean? Uh, he came out on the losing end uh, just this past week, but um, I got to go with the coach. All right, cool, man. Well, we're going to stop the picks right there. Booker, I want to thank you for giving us some time tonight. And if you want to, you know, let's let's real quick plug everything you're doing again. You, um, can you just give everybody the website and, and your Twitter account and your brother's Twitter account so we can all follow him as well. And uh, let's, let's, let's pay some bills and let's plug. Let's do it. Oh yeah, man. Like I say, um, um, definitely. I always um, go for for reality of go to realityofwrestling.com if you want any information about the school, uh, about our shows or anything like that. If you want to check out our show, go to ssnnetwork.com and uh, you can check out all all the latest reality of wrestling um, episodes. Fantasy Camp this Saturday from twelve noon to five o'clock. It's only one hundred bucks to come out and train with the five time, five time, five time, five time, five time uh, world WCW. I'm six-time world heavyweight champ. Um, but follow me on Twitter at BookerT5X. That's Booker T, the number five, and the letter X. And uh, you can follow my big brother, Stevie Ray, at at the Stevie Ray. Um, and, uh, guys, get online, uh, follow us, and, uh, you know, let's make this thing happen. Harlem Heat. I know everybody's talking, want, want to see a Harlem Heat reunion. So uh, let's make it happen as um, soon as we possibly can. And like I say, guys, I appreciate the time, appreciate the plug, appreciate you letting me pay some bills here. And like I always say, not can you dig that, sucker. Booker, thanks for the time tonight, man. It was a blast. Thank you, bro. Y'all have a good time, man. Later. Later. The one and only Booker T, six-time world heavyweight champion, uh, five-time WCW champion. Great friend to come on and talk with me and Mike. We're going to finish up shop here right now. Uh, real quick, uh, final thoughts for me tonight uh, goes to the way the media has sort of handled everything over the last uh, week and a half, two weeks, uh, NFL problems aside. You know, as you guys know, I'm an NBA guy. I'm NBA guy. I've even been a WWE guy also, but uh, I follow the Giants, follow the NFL. I do what I can 